are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. So what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. And today we have a super special guest with us uh, via Skype, um, someone who instantly when I met him um, definitely made a mark on my life, impacted me uh, for the kingdom. And it's my pleasure to introduce to you all Sana Park. Hey, Sana, what's up? Hey, good to be with you, bro. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us today. Oh, it's such an honor yeah, to be a part of it and, and to share what's in all of our hearts together and to be able to speak and share with all those who are listening in. Thanks yeah. for having me, Sam. Of course, of course. Um, special thanks to technology that we could be able to do this via Skype. Yeah, who's the, who's the inventor of Skype? Yeah, share Lord bless him, right? Yes, in the name of Jesus. Um, yeah, if you could just share with the listeners um, just who you are and what you do um, so they can get an idea of, of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my name is Sono Park, and I'm a missionary with YWAM, uh, specifically helping oversee training at YWAM Kansas City. And I've uh, been uh, part of YWAM for 10 years. And I'm married to a beautiful woman named Yuri Park, who absolutely loves the Lord. And I have two kids. Um, my daughter's name is Vera. She's going to be four in December. And then I have a son named Ezra, and he's 18. Uh, 18 months. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> 18 months. <laughs> He's 18 months. Yeah. And uh, we hope to have many more kids. But yeah, so that's who I am in a nutshell. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I had, uh, I was so blessed. I was recently in Kansas City and instantly was welcomed into your home, got to meet your lovely family. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Oh, bro, it's all about relationships and connection in the kingdom. You know, Definitely. I think of yeah, the Trinity and the essence of who God is is relationship. So he values it so much, honors it, and everything that he does yeah, flows through that place. So it was so good to have you. Thank you, thank you. I mean, I really feel like um, God is doing something in, in our region as well as in yours over there where um, there just been different partnerships with different ministries and and like you said YWAM Kansas City is the ministry you're a part of uh, if you could kind of just share with us um, about YWAM Kansas City yeah YWAM Kansas well first YWAM as an organization is a 50 year old missions organization with over um 1400 operating locations doing something in every nation on earth and uh, so we have one location that specifically focuses on training um, here in Kansas City. And so YWAM Kansas City really started uh, four years ago as we've been pioneering here. And uh, really uh, at the core of who we are, we believe that the Lord's called us to be a spiritual West Point. For those of you guys mm-hmm. listening in from New York, yeah. uh, understand where that place is. It's a U.S. military training facility that specifically trains up officers um, 
yeah, in the U.S. Army. Not that we're pro-war, but just as a mm-hmm. parallel that we see because we feel really strongly called to help uh, shape the understanding of the Great Commission and especially mm-hmm. what the Lord's doing in this uh, season on earth. Yeah, we really live in the most unprecedented time. So we want to play our small part in really helping raise up laborers for the harvest field. And so, um, yeah, God's doing incredible things here. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, could, what, what are your specific roles and, um, I guess, duties over there uh, with YWAM? Yeah, uh, specifically with YWAM Kansas City. Yeah, I hope um, I'm a part of the senior leadership team here as well as oversee all the training schools that we have as well as the outreaches that come out of those training schools. And out of YWAM Kansas City, we've already planted uh, different training locations also overseas, such as uh, in Chiang Mai, Thailand, um, as well as launching something in the Philippines. And so we have all kinds of nation uh, initiatives and projects that we're working on, and I help oversee all those different things and, yeah, and how all our schools and the laborers that we're raising up feed into all of that. So Cool. Yeah, when I was over there, I got to see a whole bunch of the young students that were there for those training programs and discipleship programs. Uh, Could you share about the DTS and what that is? Yeah, DTS stands for Discipleship Training School. And um, it's really, it's YWAM's entry-level missions training. Uh, It's six months long, and for the first three months, it really focuses on specific topical topical subjects, such as uh, the nature and character of God, hearing Mm -hmm. God's voice, uh, evangelism, missions. And then after that, three months of the first six months, uh, they go on a three-month outreach overseas to actually apply what they've learned. And really, the the heart of DTS isn't just... uh, content transfer and information transfer as much as it is really uh, discipleship on like a relational, really in each other's lives mm. kind of way. And uh, for us specifically in YWAM Kansas City, we have a real uh, heart to see activation happen uh, in this generation because we all have a certain biblical identity and uh, and we should all begin to live into those biblical identities such as understanding our sonship, understanding that every believer is called to be a witness, every believer is called to be a discipler, uh, every believer is called to be an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven uh, with the authority of Christ. And so we want to really teach and share and impart uh, how a generation can actually walk out the works of Jesus. Yeah, And the great thing is, is that God doesn't just call the qualified people, but he qualifies the call, as we've all heard. And and in that process, uh, we really believe that in our weakness, that that God can still use us powerfully by his grace. And so our whole hope is that we can help multiply laborers for the harvest. Uh, Coming in agreement with Jesus' heart in Matthew chapter 9, where he looks at a great crowd and he's so uh, taken with compassion because he sees that they're sheep without a shepherd, that they're even helpless. And he turns to his disciples and he says, "Pray to the Lord of the harvest that they would, uh, that they, that the that he would send forth laborers into the harvest field, because truly the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm-hmm. So really, at the core of who we are, we want to raise up more and more laborers who are actually trained and equipped to do the works of Christ. That's really our heart, and that's and what DTS is in a nutshell as well. What can people expect by doing a DTS in Kansas City versus anywhere else? Yeah, I mean." 
every location is different and every location has a specific anointing to really help them fulfill the assignment mm-hmm. uh, that we feel that God has given to each location. Specifically in Kansas City, we have a heart to see prayer and missions come together as one expression. And what I mean by that is that uh, just as Jesus is the eternal intercessor, he's also the leader of the Great Commission. And mm-hmm. we want to teach people how to really live a life of deep intimacy with the Lord. But unto impact, it's what we see in John chapter 15, that Jesus says, apart from me you can do nothing you know mm-hmm. but but with me you'll you'll have incredible fruit in your life and we know that we can't ha- see real missional fruitfulness apart from intimacy and we can't just talk intimacy and prayer without really fulfilling the commandments of christ so our heart is to really see uh young people raised up who will live the great commandment as well as live the great commission and so that's what we actually want to see um happen i believe while kansas city what sets it apart from a lot of locations are the strategic outreaches that we have in uh, different locations so for example we sent 150 young people uh, to India, many of them had never preached the gospel, never led someone to Christ, never seen a sign and a wonder uh, actually done through them. But these 150 saw 22,000 plus uh, people come to Christ. This come is Muslims, on. Hindus, animists. Yeah, we were able to train over uh, 750 pastors who would do all the church planting and follow up work. Started 200 small businesses for women rescued wow. out of trafficking and was able to map out um, a 10,000 village area where we could begin to track all the activity of the Lord and really help see the transformational power of the gospel uh, take root. And the most encouraging part of that is that the majority of the 150 who went had never shared the gospel, never seen these things Mm. before. And they were being empowered and used by the Lord to do the things that are in Scripture. And so the great thing is is that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's not me as some superstar Christian. As much as it is um, through Jesus' death and resurrection, we have the same Holy Spirit now residing in us uh, to do the things that Christ has commanded us to do. But he's looking for availability. He's looking for people to step out. He's looking for those who will say, Lord, like, here I am, use me. Uh, Here I am, Lord, send me. And I think in that availability, um, yeah, God shows up in powerful ways. And so in YOM Kansas City, specifically with the DTSs and the outreaches that we have, they align, they come alongside of long-term strategic work that we're building in uh, areas that we've really committed to serve. So I feel like one of the things that really stood out to me uh, during my, my brief stay with you guys is just the partnerships that you guys are intentional to develop and and pursue after the kingdom together. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you guys do things with with IHOP and and like I like we said earlier, you know, ministries in the East Coast here. Could you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, uh, a great value that we have uh, as a community and as a missions organization and ministry is uh, John seventeen that Jesus. In his prayer, before he's going, while he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he's going to go to the cross, as he's speaking with the Father, he says, "My desire is this that 
uh, as he's praying for all believers, my desire is this, is that they would be one just as you and I are one. Mm-hmm. And because we see that Jesus' heart for the body of Christ is that we'd be unified and not divided by denominational lines or organizations or even different theological bands, mm-hmm. but that his desire would be that we would have the same oneness as he had with the Father. Amen. We have such a deep value uh, to really serve the broader body of Christ in so many different ways. And uh, we've worked with the most extreme charismatics to the most extreme conservatives and all of us come into agreement with really what is in the word and what jesus is desiring mm-hmm. and so because of that uh yeah we, we want to create as many partnerships and serve as many uh ministries and organizations as possible and we have all kinds of great ones from yeah uh, also out of our base we have what's called the call to all movement mm-hmm. that has um thousands upon thousands of missions organizations, church denominations, people who are working in the spheres from the government to business leaders to arts and entertainers to educators uh, to scientists, all coming together to say, how can we fulfill the Great Commission together? How can we really, what's in Jesus' heart, uh, actually be fulfilled? And how can we actually track it strategically so we're we're not multiplying our efforts um, or not, we're not... um, uh, as in, like, we're not doing the same thing, but that we can actually understand the, the unity that comes in diversity and fulfill it together. And so we do a lot to serve different ministries. We've done quite a lot in uh, New York with different organizations from Pursuit NYC to Worship as One and mm-hmm. to really help resource and strengthen and to give them uh, what we have. Not that that's everything, but we want to give away what we do have because the kingdom's yeah. all about giving away what we have. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like Jesus said, freely you've received, now yeah. freely give. So, absolutely, absolutely. And Genesis twelve says that God will bless Abraham so that he could be a blessing. Mm-hmm. So we believe that what we've been blessed with, uh, we want to give away. So, for example, we received. Uh, quite a large uh, number of offerings to purchase our training facility here in Mm -hmm. Kansas City. And um, in response to that, uh, we felt that we needed to to have tuition-free DTSs you know, to really help serve and to bless other people. So this is what we have to offer. So this is what we want to give to the kingdom. Great. Um, Yeah, I mean, you mentioned DTS once again. And I know from just being there and, and seeing different things that you have, you guys offer very different um, focuses and tracks. Could you speak on that as well? Yeah, so we have numbers of different kinds of training schools with uh, different applications of mission. Uh, specifically with the discipleship training school, we have multiple different tracks that we offer. Um, uh, and this is so that we can become as diverse as possible as, as well as use as many giftings as possible for the glory of God. And uh, so with the, within the DTS, we have tracks such as worship, mm-hmm. uh, where we're raising uh, worship leaders to sports, where how people can use their athletic ability and their um, to actually do outreach. Uh, we also have a media track that we're creating, as well as we even want to reach and uh, help use people who are in CrossFit. So we have uh-huh. something like that going on this summer. Yeah, and uh, uh, we have a hip-hop expressions track where we're really trying to reach out to the subculture of hip-hop from breakdance to beatboxing to mm-hmm. MCs to so graffiti good. artists. Yeah, and not only to reach the subculture, but actually use them for the glory of the Lord. Uh, when we were in um, India, for example, uh, the, when I was just sharing some of these stories, we had tons of uh, breakdancers and performers to draw large crowds, and then that's where 
we had actually preached the gospel. See, the releasing of signs and wonders, the proclamation uh, of the gospel of the kingdom, as well as the demonstration of its power. Mm-hmm. But all of the, the main avenue that brought the gathering of that kind of mass had to do with uh, people breakdancing and yeah. <laughs> doing all kinds of yeah, art, yeah, creative arts. It was really cool to see. That's great. Um, as we transition a little bit here, um, since a lot of the, the people who come through are, are young leaders who have gifts and, 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 and talents and desires in so many different fields, um, overall in general, what wisdom would you share with young leaders? Yeah, that's a really loaded question, Sam. Uh, <laughs> there's so many wonderful things uh, that we could really share uh, with, for leaders who are raising up young leaders. Um, I bo- Actually, the, a scripture that comes to mind as you ask that question is 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and how, uh, you know, Paul says, as he's addressing the church, he says, you have thousands of teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And I believe uh, what's really needed in this generation first in, in um, leadership is a, a desire and a heart to mother and to father. But what that actually means, I think uh, we have to define. I believe fathering and mothering uh, is the right and appropriate calibration of support and challenge. And what I mean by that is that we know how to bring love. We know how to bring loving discipline. We know how to bring loving encouragement. But it's it's the way that Jesus leads us with the shepherd's rod, which is with his rod, which has to to do with his discipline that comes from a place of love, but also it has to do with uh, his staff, which has to do with encouragement and his, his, and, and building us up through the tender words of love. The two are inseparable. Sometimes we look at uh, uh, the two are inseparable when it comes to uh, when it comes to Jesus' leadership because he loves us unconditionally, but he calls us to such an uprightness and holiness. He mm-hmm. loves us with such sacrifice, showing it through what he's done by giving his life on our behalf and taking the place that we deserve and in place giving us what he deserves. Uh, yet he does that to provide grace to him, not only forgive us, but also to empower us to, to walk out all of his commandments. And so... Um, I believe that, yeah, the calibration of support and challenge as we're raising up young leaders around us is so important because if you have too much challenge, for example, and not mm-hmm. enough support, you'll have, um, you'll have a culture of domination. You'll have a culture where people are fearful to approach leadership, mm-hmm. where they begin to perform and just do outward religious duties, but yet not feel like a connectivity of heart. Mm-hmm. But if you swing to the other side of the pendulum, to the other extreme of just being overly supportive and constantly pampering or, you know, only encouraging but yet not bringing in truth, um, you know, you could have uh, – you can start raising up leaders who are entitled, mm-hmm. leaders who uh, yeah, do um, – you know, who might become apathetic and unmotivated. Yeah, so – and then if you don't have either or, you're going to have just complete passivity and no movement whatsoever. But if you can calibrate, support, and challenge well, you can have full empowerment along, yeah, according to the way that God leads. So That's good. For me, I've been so blessed and so fortunate to have had so many different um, spiritual fathers in my life who invested in me, believed in me, poured into me, um, and rebuked me. Absolutely. <laughs> and... and but at the same time, I've come across so many other young people who, you know, you can definitely tell that they're called, that they have the hand of God upon their lives, they're anointed, but yet 
they don't have a spiritual father or spiritual mother. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, I would say um, constantly find yourself uh, looking to plug into a community mm -hmm. and not just a community that's going to serve you, but to first give yourself completely to them and uh, to the movement uh, that, they're, that they're building. Uh, but I would say, yeah, find ways for the father, the father, to mm -hmm. actually father you. You know, um, we live in one of the most orphaned generations where the family, uh, nuclear family, is so fractured. And, uh, and, but I believe in the midst of that, God's redemptive plan is to father them himself through uh, what Jesus has done on the cross as well as the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to reveal his heart, to reveal his principles through the word of God and, and through, that, uh, through that process actually raise us up in righteousness himself. Mm. Uh, you know, like I, I always looked for a spiritual father and then I found different ones speaking to my life at different points in time. But really, I had those seasons where I was so unsatisfied thinking that they could give me more mm. when actually the Lord wanted to father me himself. Oh, that's good. I think just like you were saying about the different types of cultures you build, I, I feel like, you know, I, I've experienced this myself where, you know, rather than seeking the father's affirmation, you know, I wanted my pastor's affirmation or, mm. or this leader's affirmation to, um, you know, tell me how good I am or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's such a good reminder that we could so easily forget. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, according to Second Peter chapter 1, we have everything that we need to live a life of godliness. Mm -hmm. He's given it to us. He's given us his word, his logos word. He's given us his rhema word as he communicates with us through the Holy Spirit. And he's given us what we need. And uh, uh, already it's there. And there's grace already available for every circumstance and situation. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we just need to find the grace. Hebrews 4 says that we need to receive mercy, but we have to find grace in our time of need. If we feel like we're in lack and we're in need, that means there's already a grace available to empower us to overcome yeah so we just need to find it yeah that's good and that's where asking for wisdom comes right so. yeah absolutely absolutely but we all of course are made to function and to be to belong and sure. to be a part of community so we should continuously seek that out as well definitely um yeah i mean i i feel like it's there's nothing wrong with praying to god to ask for you know, such a person in your life. Because we, like you said, and, you know, we all need someone, you know, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we should try our hardest to seek out uh, a spiritual father or mother. That's like a, that's someone who's ahead of us in years and can pour into us. I believe that we have to be active in seeking out peer uh, mentors and people who can also mm, speak into sure. our life from a peer level. And I think we also can't neglect uh also walking with others because we'll we'll always there will always be someone ahead of us there'll always be someone beside us and there'll always be someone uh below us when, when it comes to spiritual maturity so i think we do what we can to to yeah impart and to give and to receive and to to continue walk alongside of others yeah that's so good um once again uh at pursuit our our vision is revival or bust you know, that's what we want to see. It's, it's revival, nothing less. Yes. Uh, we want to see God move, God do what only he can do so that he could receive the only glory that is due his name. Um, so I, I, we're passionate about revival. That's what we want to see. And how, how do you personally define revival? 
That's a great question. Um, well, I believe first revival is a loaded term and actually uh, is, is a buzzword, but I think needs to be clearly defined. Um, there's so many ways we can define it. Uh, first, if you look according to the Word of God, there was multiple uh, revivals that took place. The first one I think of is in the city of Nineveh when Jonah came. Mm-hmm. And uh, people, uh, you know, he came and shared. He was a reluctant prophet. But even though he, he was finally obedient to the Lord, and even though Nineveh had been disobedient to God for 200 years, uh, when their hearts turned to him, uh, the Lord said, I choose mercy. And he poured out his spirit in a way where uh, even the king called a national fast and people repented and turned uh, away from uh their own ways, their own self-sufficiency, their own areas of wickedness, and they turned uh, to God's ways. And so if I had to define revival, I would say, personally define revival, I'd have to say it's it's uh, 100% joyful surrender and complete obedience to the commandments of Christ in, a, in the new covenant. And um, so that means we're completely surrendered to Jesus. We want to walk out every single one of his commandments, and we do it with a joyful heart because we're completely and utterly convinced that it's the best way of life. Mm-hmm. And when, when you start seeing the masses turn in that direction, when you start seeing the church uh, becoming alive again in, in many categories, when you see people... Uh, praying and fasting and preaching the gospel and seeing uh, the kingdom of heaven break into public space and all that comes from a deep place of intimacy and devotion from Jesus, um, that's when I believe you're starting to see revival. Mm. Amen. Amen. Just just thinking about that story of, of, of Jonah, it's, I mean, it was started by God. You know, I think that's... Um, what what just hit me even now as we're just talking about that story again is it's every move of God is is started by his own heart to see people saved and and it's followed by you know like you said a turning a surrender of repentance you know which we don't really talk much about anymore but you know every great move of God ha- ha- started with people surrendering and turning away uh turning from their ways and and turning yeah. to the Lord so Absolutely. And we got to realize that repentance is actually is actually um, a good thing. You know, mm. sometimes the word repentance has so many uh, negative nuances attached to it. When actually Acts 3 makes it really clear that if we repent and turn to the Lord, that the result of it would be times of refreshing that would mm, come. And so there's actually life that comes through repentance. But sometimes we define repentance as uh, confession and feeling bad. No, yeah. that's... that's sh- you know, confession is necessary. It's the first part of repentance, but um, the feeling bad and the shame and the condemnation that comes is not necessarily from the Lord. I would define repentance in really four stages. This repentance is first breaking agreement with something that is not true mm-hmm. and coming into agreement with truth. So it's literally turning away from that reality and then turning towards what God would define as that reality. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part of repentance. The second is then to receive the love of God. Because I know for myself, sometimes I realize like, I'm repenting and I'm confessing and I'm wondering mm-hmm. if I'm actually forgiven. I'm like, well, I'm kind of in God's time out until I feel like I've repented yeah. or confessed enough until like my conscience feels clean. When when we see that the truth is already stated upon his word, Psalm 103 says, you know, like that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far yeah. God's taking his transgression from us. So our role in after repenting and confessing is actually then to receive the love of God. And then uh, I think we really have to rise up after the third phase would be to really... um 
rebuke the lies that would mm. continue to come, to continue to combat them in truth, declaring God's word, right? And then the fourth stage would have to do with then replacing the lie that we believed and that we came in agreement with, then with the truth and according to what God says about this aspect or this area of our life and actually about who we are, mm. right? Yeah, he's not, yeah. he's not overwhelmed or anxious about our immaturity. He's not, he's not, um, but he knows exactly where we are. He meets us where we are. And uh, he loves us so much that he meets us where we are, but he loves us so much that he won't leave us where we are. And he, that's what grace is. It's not only the washing over of sin, but it's also the empowerment to overcome in this category of our life. Yeah, that's good. I mean, even the whole thing with confession and repentance is, you know, we don't do it in, in hopes that he might forgive us this time, but because he's ready and willing to restore us as his sons, as his daughters, to restore that connection and, and remind us, like you said, of truth and rebuking lies and entering to the fullness that he has for us. So. Absolutely. And so much of the, of the battleground of belief has to do with how convinced are we of the good news of Jesus Christ? Mm. Do we believe that one drop of Jesus's blood is actually greater than all of human sin combined? Do we so believe good. that we can actually live from victory, you know, and not always have to fight for the victory, but that mm. we live from it because the finished work of the cross, you know, do we actually believe that Jesus who knew no sin became our sins so that we may become the righteousness of God is that when we stand before him, we have the identity as a saint. We have the identity as a, uh, we have the righteousness of Christ, you know, that we're called to be sons and daughters, that we're actually co-heirs with Christ, sharing in, in, uh, sharing in not only the glory, but also sharing in the sufferings. Like, do we believe that this is who he actually believes that we are? And so much of the gospel has to do with being convinced that the, the news is that good. Yeah, that's so good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, just, I just want to praise. <laughs> I just want to repent and... And everything uh, right now, but uh, he's so good to us, so yeah. patient, so kind, for yeah. sure. And and I think that's where, you know, for all the leaders that are listening to this podcast, is, um, you know, as a leader, as as a child of God, that you'll never graduate from the school of repentance. You know, um, yeah, it's absolutely. something that we always come back to and 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 surrender, like you said, joyfully to the Lord, um, and he 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 meets us there. Now that's the good news. So. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a never-ending depth of how, how deep we can go into our walk with the Lord and the holiness that He's called us to. Mm. And a holiness that we can't attain on our own. It has to come from an empowerment through grace to begin to walk the righteous standard that, uh, that we're already positioned to receive mm. through our justification. Amen. Well, thank you so much for your time. As we wrap up our time together, um, it's just a question that I've been asking every leader. Uh, how do you best connect with the Father in this season? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, I've been in ministry and in leadership for about 10 years. And because of that, uh, I can become so familiar with uh, the ministry and the jargon that we use and the stories and the testimonies. Uh, and because of that, you know, I feel like I need to be like the Church of Ephesus mm -hmm. in the Revelation chapter 2, which is they had a great ministry, is thriving and doing well, but they had forgotten about their first love. And so for me, um, I'm trying to really get back to uh, the simplicity of my first love. Mm. So uh, before I start 
my prayer time or my daily reading. You know, um, I just try to just love on Jesus, adore him. 30 minutes, just singing, mm. loving on him, meditating on the goodness of who he is and just uh, thanking him once again for the simple pleasure it is that I could actually move his heart with my worship. Wow. And uh, from that place, then I'll get into the intercession. Then I'll get into the, 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 the studies that I'm doing. And, but I just want to make sure I start off with a simple devotion unto the Lord, not to overcomplicate it, not to use that quiet time specifically to prep mm-hmm. teaching, but sp- just to be in the presence of God and to thank Him for the great privilege it is to be a part of the fellowship of the Trinity through Jesus and what He's done. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, how can people find more information about you, your ministry, uh, YMM Kansas City? Yeah, they can go to www.ywamkansascity.com. Uh, you could also find us on Facebook, YWAM Kansas City, uh, as well as you can uh, find out more about the Call to All movement um, at www.call number two all.org awesome shout outs to the rest of your crew over there at wyoming kansas city john and lydia and (laughs) and all those other leaders that that were such a blessing to me while i was out there so uh thank you once again for hanging out with us and to the listeners thank you for checking us out once again hope you were encouraged i hope you were blessed and we'll see you next time Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.